Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Tonight is New Year's Eve. Don't die. Happy New Year. Don't die in a car. Don't die from a drug overdose. Don't die from alcohol uh, poisoning. Uh, Don't die because you're letting somebody with any of those drive or talk you into anything. Maybe I've harped on this long enough. Just don't die and, and be present for the first of the new year. What are your resolutions? Jesus, good question, right? Right? Are they even necessary? But I think I've, I've come upon some. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll move towards that uh, as we have this conversation. Today on the show is a film director, Ronaldo Marcus Green. Uh, his movie, Monsters and Men, is available on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital on January 8th. It's a great movie. I enjoyed it. We talked a lot about how it evolved out of a short he made about a, a, a traffic stop um, it takes place in New York, and it's, uh, it's a very provocative, charged movie. I loved it, actually. I, I love the movie, so you should check it out, and you can listen to me talk to him uh, shortly. But let's, let me focus here. Let me try to focus. I, I'm still in New Mexico. There was a blizzard here, and it had been a long time since uh, I'd risen to the challenges of driving in a blizzard. But thankfully, and I give myself credit for this, I uh, I rented a Nissan Armada. This is like driving a fucking military vehicle. It's like driving a tank. I didn't even know that's what I was going to rent. I thought I was going to get a Jeep because I thought it might snow, but I had an Armada. Armada. This is a heavy car. So when we left Albuquerque, it was slightly snowing. And then by the time we hit I-25, they had closed the fucking highway down because... I don't know what it is. I don't know if, I mean, snow happens here, but it's not like the East Coast where you're buried under six feet at least a month out of the winter, you know, season. And there's snow plows everywhere, but the entire highway was shut down. There's really no other way to go. Cars were just sliding everywhere. You could just see what happens. There's brakes locking up, cars in ditches on the side of the road, cars at the wrong angle. And we had to sort of navigate through Cochiti, uh, the Cochiti Pueblo area up and around through a lot of snow going very slowly. And here's what I'm, I guess here's the point in terms of relationship progress. I did not slam on the brakes and, and, and get 
you know, stuck in a ditch and opened the door solely because I was mad that I was being told how to drive. And I think that's a, a great testament to any relationship. If you can drive in a blizzard where the conditions are rough and you don't let rage overcome you to the point where you slam on your brakes for no reason, roll the automobile, get out and say something like, why can't you just shut up? So that didn't happen. So that's, that's progress. There was no, no car accidents and only just minor, minor you know, moments of aggravation about the proximity, mostly about driving. How many relationships end because of cars? That's what I want to know. Does anyone got statistics on that? So we survived the, the blizzard, and then it, it eventually we were holed up here where we are. Fortunately, it was a luxury hotel. There was no risk of freezing to death or exposure or frostbite. Just mild discomfort that the thermostat didn't go above 75, and Sarah slept with a hat. And I, I refused to do that. I refused to be paying the price I was paying at the hotel I was staying at and sleeping a hat. And she refused to let me call uh, the front desk at 1130 at night because I was slightly uncomfortable with the 74 degrees uh, in the room, which when the heat adjusted, went down to probably 68. Oh, oh, that's the oh, I forgot to uh, mention that um, we went without Wi-Fi for, I think, almost 24 hours. And the cell phone service wasn't that good. And uh, man, I'll tell you, you really get in touch with who you are when you have when you can't pick up a thing or turn on a thing and and you know fill your brain with garbage or distract yourself. Really got connected. I, I mean, is that a therapy? Of course it is. But that's part of my New Year's resolution. But we're not getting to that yet. So let's get into uh, in, into some stuff here. Into movies and things I've taken in 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 the last week or so. I somehow or another, this is before I left for vacation. I was watching TV, and uh, I like to flip around, and I found that uh, Eric Clapton, the Eric Clapton doc. Now, I know some of you like okay, I'm going to have to cop to something here. Uh, the, the documentary is called Eric Clapton: A Life in Twelve Bars. Now. You've heard me talk on this show that, you know, I'm not an Eric Clapton guy, that I'm a Peter Green guy. That, you know, you can draw lines. You can make, you can have favorite blues guitar players and what have you. But I have always said that I loved Clapton when he was with John Mayall's Blues Bakers, and I like Cream, except for the lyrics. And after that, I go in and out of Clapton. It, it doesn't resonate with me because I felt like he was really kicking on all cylinders when he was a very young man. Uh, and then, like, I, after Derek and the Dominoes, I'm kind of in and out, and I'm a little bored. That's just, that I've said that publicly. I don't mind saying that. But I knew nothing about Eric Clapton, and should or does that make a difference? It does, actually. This this documentary, Eric Clapton, A Life in 12 Bars, was so profound and moving, and I knew nothing about that guy. Nothing about, you know, the, the sort of the upbringing he had, nothing about the, the depth and length of his drug addiction. You know, the things I knew were, you know, he was sort of a savant blues guitar player. He had an amazing career, both with Mayall, with Cream, and then a solo career. I know that his... His son tragically died. I knew he had a substance abuse problem, but the journey of him finding out about his family, I, I don't want to do spoilers because you should see it because the whole thing is so moving and the depth of his emotional and psychological trauma and pain uh, and, and how he translated that into those early, especially those early records like that are just fucking brain bending. The pure blue stuff 
was deep shit, and you really get a sense of where that comes from. And by and large, did I just use that phrase? By and large, the thing that's amazing about the film is that it's it's really a recovery movie. And all the records that I'm in and out with or don't really necessarily re- you know resonate with me or or I think they're they're not as deep or as cutting and as fucking you know moving as as his those early records up through Layla is that he in the documentary he doesn't he gives them short shrift because he looks at most of them as the records he made when he was shit-faced I had no sense of the depth of of heartbreak both in his immediate life and in his past life I mean just what can I say I, I, I am sorry that I have uh, seemingly dismissed some of Eric Clapton's work or that I judge him as, as an older man in a way that, I, uh, that was insensitive to how he got to where he is and the struggle that he had. And, uh, and also, go see this fucking movie. Go see it. Go see it on your couch. Take a little time and go watch it on Showtime. Why am I, I, I'm not getting paid for this plug, but if you're a blues guy... Um, it's like it's essential and if you're a recovery person or you're struggling you should watch it i mean it's really something that said okay there i did that i did that plug now let's get into the screeners saw green book it's okay it's pretty good kind of knew where it was going some great performances vice i enjoyed it a lot of people don't like it maybe uh you, you know adam mckay is a little heavy-handed sometimes but uh i thought the acting was great and the information was great and i enjoyed the movie beautiful boy for me, a little redundant. Uh, it takes a while to realize that the movie's really about the father and not the son, and it does show the horrible redundancy of uh, and hopelessness of, of drug addiction. But for me, as a guy in recovery, I was like, oh man, is this kid going to get it or is he not going to get it? I watched the middle part for about 15 minutes of Mary Queen of Scots. Seems good. Don't feel like I need to revisit. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, we watched that. Rami Malek did a great job. The guys in the band did a great job. The music was great. They really got into his life. But it's hard to make a biopic about somebody in your memory and you know, kind of move through it. But I thought it was good. I thought it was satisfying. I enjoyed it. Watched Boy Erased last night. I thought it was pretty great. I enjoyed the movie. That Hedges kid, is that his name? Hedges? Someone please tell me when I became my father. I, uh, yeah, please let me know when that's fully taken place. Lucas Hedges did a great job in that. I enjoyed the movie. It's good. It's satisfying. On the Basis of Sex. Enjoyed it. Again, a biopic of a very specific time of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Historically good information there. There's a lot of uh, finessing with biopics in order to make uh, the characters kind of... I, it was good. It was good, and it was an important movie, I think, in terms of history. I didn't know about it, which is uh, going to be a theme in my life in, in terms of what I'm talking about now. What about history? Huh? What about it? I uh, watched the first 15 minutes of A Star is Born, and got to say, I get it. Uh watched The Favorite. Got to watch it again, because I'm going to interview that guy. Now, what movie had the most impact on me? What did I want to tell you about? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you honestly, and this has something to do with where my head is at. We went to the Museum of Indian Arts and Culture here in Santa Fe, and there was a, there was a documentary playing in there in the pottery uh, exhibit part of the part of the history of the area and when i was growing up here in new mexico pottery and indian jewelry was is sort of a big deal and i've i've begun to wear some of it again i'm wearing a turquoise ring i got 
Sarah Turquoise bracelet. We both seem to buy some pieces when we're here. But we were in the gift shop of one of the museums. They had one of these black pots, these uh, Pueblo black pottery. And I remember from when I was a kid, Maria, her name was, was very famous for making these. Her, her name is Maria Martinez. So, and I brought that up to Sarah in the gift shop. And then we walk into this museum. There's a documentary. It's about 25 minutes long called Maria Martinez, Indian Pottery of the San Ildefonso Pueblo. Now, this movie blew me away. This was the, this, it's not in contention for Oscars, but it did something in my, my brain. There's certain things that I watch, some, something about practice. And, and it's weird because pottery is sort of becoming a recurring theme on my podcast somehow or another. But the process of making these traditional uh, Pueblo style, this very specific black pottery, you know, it requires, they go out, she goes out with her son, who's also a potter, and they, they find that they, they kind of go out to the, the mesa, they find the clay dirt they need, and then they find the blue sand they have to mix it with, then she goes back and mixes it, then she starts to craft the pot through coils, then she smooths it, then she shapes it, then it dries, and then she puts silt on it from uh, another slip, uh, and then that dries, and then she burnishes it with a, I think it was a polished rock, so it's shiny, and then they, they make a hole, and they put a steel grate in, they lay all the pots on it, they put wood underneath the grate, and then they cover it with um, metal so the smoke and the heat stays in, and then they surround that with giant petrified cow chips, and they bake it, and then they dump a bunch of, of uh, broken down horse manure on top of it to put it out, and they kind of, you know, it's hours, maybe a day or two. This whole process was so organic and so sort of strangely connected and authentic and inspiring. And just to see the pots come out so beautifully shiny and perfect and just so connected to the earth and connected to tradition and connected to taking the time to make things and then, you know, connected to an entire way of being somehow made me, it just was inspirational and made me want to get off Twitter is that the message I was supposed to get? And that comes to the resolutions. What are the resolutions? I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but I, you know, right now it's, it's very hard. It's very, you know, in terms of information we're getting, we know we're in a cultural fucking uh, apocalypse on so many levels. We know we've lost almost in, you know, historical context entirely. We've lost any sense of history. We've lost any sense of the depth of history, the depth of the players in history, or how to put them into perspective. We've lost some semblance of, of you know, what is true and what isn't true. And, you know, it's fucking with our brains. And we've lost any sort of sense of ungotcha'd nuance. That's my word. That's my phrasing. Where there are nuances that, that, that should be portals into what make people beautiful and amazing and complicated as opposed to just, you know, nuances that are exploited for tabloid business. We've just lost touch with all that. And I sort of want to get back in touch with it in this year. If I could, uh, I want to try to, you know, maybe pull myself. I'm definitely, I don't do Facebook at all, which makes me, I don't know what. So that's going, I think uh, I'm going to consolidate my Twitter stuff. So it's just promotional going to probably pull out of Instagram and try to free up that part of the brain and try to stay off the news app on my phone and figure out, you know, like who I am in the world and what did I come from? And, you know, how is it, how is it defining and important? And, you know, and what is, what is life supposed to be comprised of? 
as we move through it. It's a little slower than our phones would let us to believe. Life is a little slower than our phones lead us to believe in the immediate surrounding. I want to appreciate the people in my life and, and try to take care of myself, try to you know do the right thing if possible, always, as much as I can. All right, yeah, I'm going to get off nicotine lozenges too. I'm going to. I swear to God. I swear to God I am. So, Happy New Year. And uh, go look at that Maria Martinez documentary. <laughs> you can find it online. I think it's like, I just, I just dug it up. They had it at the museum, but then I found it in. It's called Maria Martinez, Indian Pottery of San Ildefonso. It's from 1972. Go watch that uh, Eric Clapton documentary. For me, that uh, coming in on the close of the year, these were the most inspirational things uh, that I took into my head. And also, uh, uh, my relationship is uh, always... Uh, exciting and uh, you know making me you know better <laughs> I think huh oh yeah just keep uh, keep trying to be uh, as um, straight with yourself as you can and treat other people well here now let's uh, go to my conversation this we just took place a little while ago we couldn't get it up and in time for the release of the movie, but it's coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital on January 8th. The film is Monsters and Men, and the, this is uh, me talking with uh, Ronaldo Marcus Green, the director and writer of that film. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the last time I talked to you, we were in New York, and we talked for a little while, and I watched the short that you made stop and then now i watched the movie and it's how much because in stop that that film in in a basically almost exactly what happens in that nine minute film is a you know a couple of scenes in in the in the feature Mm -hmm. so when you making the when you're making the nine minute film were you thinking ahead of the feature or is this something you built around it later or how that yeah not at all so that little nine minute short that you saw i made for 500 bucks as part of nyu in the short, I cast a real New York City police officer. So he's a friend of mine. We grew up together in Staten Island. Fast forward, we get that Wait, short you grew film. up in Staten Island? I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Oh, maybe we should go all the way back there because <laughs> I've done nothing but say shitty things about Staten Island. And I, and I want to I wanna find some, some light there. Well, I'm trying to find the light. We're, we're still working on it. You know, I've moved off the island. You know, I, I, I'm happy to say... I, I, I got off the island. Right. Uh, but you respect got, for growing up there. Sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. No I mean, desire I, to I, move. I know a few guys. Pete Davidson. 
grew okay. up on Staten Island, right? Okay. Uh, Eddie Pepitone, mm -hmm. a few guys, but you know, I, I never hear great stuff. I, you know, I, it's not. There's horrible stuff, and there's a lot of people that do good work there. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the cities, all the cops were yeah. there, and yeah. like a lot of the firemen. Exactly, were there. cops, firemen, construction workers. And then, and then there's mafia guys, and then there's oh, just, there's definitely mafia guys. I yeah. went to school with the Gambinis, the Lucchese's. I mean, I, you they're know, all out there. All, all out there. At least they were. Huh. Um, so you got yeah, Now they've moved to Jersey. You know, when you get older, you move to Jersey. You make a few bucks. <laughs> you know, you move to Jersey. You can run the city from Jersey. Exactly. I learned that in The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a, you have a twin brother? I, he's not a twin. twin. He's an older brother. He's uh, three and a half years older. And that's Rashad? Rashad Ernesto Green, yep. And you're, you're Ronaldo Marcus Green. Yep. We, he got the African first name. I got the Latino first name. Big, and how's it, what's the breakdown of, of your folks? So uh, my, my, my mother's uh, Puerto Rican and my father's African American. Okay, so now you're there's just two of you. This is just just the two of us, and you're on Staten Island growing up. Growing up on Staten Island, but just my father though. We grew up in a single parent household with my dad. Why is your dad on Staten Island? So at the time, uh, uh, Staten Island had a very good public schools. Okay, uh, so it was it was the way that we can you know afford you know a good education. So that's what he was looking out for. He was looking out for us. He was working for the Department of Investigation downtown Manhattan, uh, Maiden Lane. So it was a 20-minute commute with no traffic, and especially because he had a badge and a shield. Yeah. You know, you can go in that HOV <laughs> lane and, you know, and, what, and kind of speed into work. What's a, That's a little uh, broad, the Department of in, in, Investigation. What what were his, uh, what was his uh, focus? Well, he, he's an attorney by trade, yeah. but he would work with, like, Marshall's Bureau and do sort of, you know, uh, white-collar crimes. Uh -huh. So you got a lot of people money laundering, and but it was it was funny we'd go on stakeouts with our dad and like he'd have this huge nikon camera anyway, I, really? I don't know how legal the stuff he was doing is he retired <laughs> well he's he's uh, sadly he's passed away but i'm sorry uh, well but, then we can talk openly about his small transgressions yeah yeah no, taking he, his kids on well, I think it was, he was like oh it's we're even more undercover did you lose a lens dude i probably did but hopefully it's still in my case somewhere are those uh, prescription? They are, which would be really sad if I lost oh, them. Oh, God damn it. Let's hope that it's not, but maybe- Might be in the car, might, might be in the be house. Might be in the car, might be in the house. I just noticed it, and I was like, did, uh, is he walking around with the, was he doing a thing with the one the it, one lens? I know, that that would be strange, but hopefully uh, hopefully it's somewhere in the car. We'll find, uh, you know, it's tricky with those uh, aviators, because the frames are very thin, and if thing. if you have a prescription, a prescription yeah. did they tell you that? They didn't. I did it, I got these in London. Oh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when I was a kid, I had those Ray-Ban aviators and I wanted to get a prescription and they told me that and it's not quite, you know, if you got a little weight on your prescription, they no, might have heavy. pulled in there. Yeah, I can't see a thing. I'm, well, I'm where could they be? They, they got to be in the car, <laughs> right? It's, we only took one road to get to this place. So Yeah, so if you had them, did you have them on in the car? I did have them on in the car. Oh, and we're going to find didn't, it. And I, and I was seeing perfectly fine, so I think I'm okay. good. Okay, no. You, you would have <laughs> noticed if there was a lens missing. Your director, for God's sake. I would have noticed. Yeah. Uh, all right, so your dad's taking you and your brother on stakeouts. Yep. Taking pictures. But no, you know, he's not, you know. He's not in the line of fire or anything like no, that. He, you know, again, these not, aren't, he's not these aren't hard busts. criminals. Yeah, we weren't, you Kicking know. doors and going, these are my kids, be no, nice. He got. He had guys that were, you know, putting up storefronts and then, you know, doing, you know. See, probably your neighbors. Yeah. In, in Staten Island. Yeah, sadly <laughs> enough, probably. You know, he you know, he was good. He loved, he lo he loved what he did. He, he really enjoyed, you know, being an investigator and yeah. that kind of thing. But he was so. looking out for you. He had a good gig and, you know, he, he moved someplace to get everybody a good education. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, it was a city job. Never made, you know, enough money to, right. to, you know, we all had to pay for ourselves to get through school and all that. But he put us in a position to succeed. Well, I think that, like, because so, that relationship in the film with the, with the baseball player, what was his name? 
uh, Zyrick, uh, he played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. The yeah. kid's name is Zyrick. Yeah, like that relationship with the father is sort of like an imp- important relationship because you're sort of in the in the film you're kind of getting you know the a, a fairly broad spectrum of what it's like to live in a in a neighborhood that is constantly you know uh, monitored mm-hmm. and and you know cops are imposing and uh, and transgress you know, d- you know morally dubious yeah. in terms of how they treat the African American community, but that father. Mm-hmm. He worked hard his whole life, and he kept his nose clean. It seems, yeah. and you know he he knows what trouble is, but he's not going to let his kid you know fall into that. Exactly, shit. exactly. And but, I think my father was probably one of those guys, you right? Know, probably on the front lines doing that thing, you know, uh-huh. listening to protest music, sixties, seventies, right? All of that, Martin. You know, it's, we we grew up with that in our house. But, you did, but then, but then it's like he keeping us. You know, not to say, of course, informed. He would t- tell us about those things, but. That whole like going to marches and stuff. Well, yeah, know, I thought that riff thing. that that guy did. He said like, you know, th- you know, this is what's happening. This is what we, you know, are living with and living in. And there, there's no end in sight per se. And it's it's nice to be aware. But uh, I'm trying to get you the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's uh, it's the current climate, man. Yeah, but I it's I think it, it's it, it it was sort of always like that. I, I imagine that there was sort of uh, you know of your father's generation a. Uh, Maybe a little more unity, but I don't know. You know, I, you know, I'm projecting as a you know dumb white guy. It seems like that 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 there is a lot of organized resistance within the community, and mm-hmm. and I think that you know back then I maybe you felt like you had a little more support. Yeah, I would think from the the community at large. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like everybody's doing their own thing. Well, I just think social media has changed the way we communicate, and mm-hmm. and and you can Isolated reach people. way more. Yeah, because. You, you, you know, you can send a tweet and, and reach 50 million people or whatever it is. Now, right. Where, where then it's like, well, if I'm going out and I'm putting my my body at risk, yeah. you know, literally it was a different thing when you're a soldier on the front lines of a protest versus like, okay, cool. I'm in this tower up here and I can I can send a tweet or I can. Right. You, you know, I'm not. But at the same time, you're you're accessing way more people than you could. So information is. It, it, we're just in a different time. Right, but it also enables people to draw lines from where they sit, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, you can tweet, you can do whatever, but you can also, like, well, I'm not going to buy that point of view because I got my own point of view mm-hmm. over here, and these are my people, and those are them. Yeah. And it still seems that, you know, when people do hit the streets and they stay in it, that the spectacle of it, of the resistance or of the confrontation, uh, you know, delivers the message in, in a visceral and human way yeah. that, that does have an impact. Mm. But, right, but the other side is sort of like, look at them. Yeah. They're fucking out of their minds. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So those people also have a means of communication. 100%. But I, I thought that was like a, a, an amazing balance in the film because I, I didn't really know where it was going to go. Mm. Because your brain, when you watch a movie, is beautifully shot. But you watch a movie and a story, you know, you kind of, you know, you you want the cop to act a certain way. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with the baseball player, and it's like, is this all going to turn to shit? Or how we, you know, how do we find hope through this? And you know, without it being pithy and Mm. and overwrought. But it was a. I thought you did a good balance. Thank you so much. And not everyone's a good guy, but they're not terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all have monsters and men in us. That was the that was the idea, you know, that we're all sort of have confronted. We all have good and bad. You have all have choices. You all have we we as individuals have choices to make. And well, when you were coming up, you know, you and your brother. So you 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 know, you had this father who was was he strict? He was pretty strict. I mean, like 
very strict, and he and was a baseball fanatic. Like you know, <laughs> what you, how how the the father in the sp- film speaks to his fa- his kids, like everything was a baseball analogy. Oh yeah. So whether it was girls at home, you know, like right, he right. was baseball, baseball, baseball. Watched 162 games a year. Diehard Mets fan. We'd watch reruns, tape at night. I mean, if I struck out in a game, looking like we'd have to come back home, take 200 swings. Like my dad was. Oh really? Intense, but he was it's like the great was Santini. Like, he was like <laughs> Serena and Venus's father. Like, yeah. He was raising major leaguers like in his mind he was gonna have a major league well, were, were either of you gifted in that way uh, so I took it pretty far I played college baseball I had two major league tryouts that was as oh, far really? as I got but I, did, I didn't yeah I didn't make it <laughs> but know. but did you I guess the big question is like even in the film uh, with that character is like did you like it you know you like <laughs> I think when you're a kid you like the things you're good at you know or, or you know you think that there's a chance so you know when I stopped being good at video games, I stopped liking them, you know, and, and yeah, it's a weird there's thing. There's no so, major league video game. Yeah. Teams. So with baseball, I was, I was, I was good and I played at a pretty high level. Our, our high school, you know, Port Richmond high school, we, we went to the city championship, played in Yankee stadium. Like we were on a very, very competitive field and, and, and I was good. What position? Know? In high school, I was a hitter uh, and, a, and a catcher. And then uh, I was uh, converted into a pitcher in college. Never, oh yeah. Never touched a bat again. Really? Yeah. He had a good arm. I had a I had a I had a pretty good arm. Control was the one thing, you know. But yeah, I became but a closer in college and a little erratic. A little erratic, you know. Watched a couple guys going out. Exactly, and then yeah. I'd strike out the side. I'd walk three and then strike <laughs> out three. <laughs> Hence, why I'm making films and not and not uh, not in the major leagues now. But um, but it was a, a longer journey, like uh, to to get the films, as I, I remember from our first conversation. And what your brother wasn't playing ball. Well, he played ball until uh, college, and then uh, and then you know studies took over, and then he went to drama school. He you know in college he he went to Dartmouth and went to uh, and then started learning Shakespeare, and then he became Acting. an actor. Yeah, so he went he 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 acted for for all of Dartmouth, went to NYU, uh, M- did the MFA in acting, and then went back to M- uh, NYU and did the MFA in film. So he With was you? just grinding. No, he did uh, it before by, you. Yeah, before me before me so how's the old man so like you know like you know how bad was it? i mean in terms of like okay so you did 200 swings you know if you fucked up in the in the little league game <laughs> but uh did, did he did it wear on you i mean was it like it wasn't aggressive it was just you just felt bad you felt like you had to be better no, he was i mean my dad was intense man he was an intense guy <laughs> there were moments where we, you know i'm sure my brother and i were both brought to tears and just oh, right. like it was about it was, a game yeah, but it was it was life to him. It to for him baseball was how it was life. I mean, I think he literally like I, I say this uh, truthfully. I think if he was a Yankee fan, he'd still be alive because they won more, you know. But growing up a Mets fan and the and the heartache, you know. But it's just so tough. And and you would see him. You just think that's like, what killed him? The Mets. I, I, it helped. It it definitely <laughs> helped. And I love the Mets. You know, we're still fans today. And you know, but but I it did it definitely didn't help his longevity. You know, really. I don't Did think he so. smoke? He didn't smoke. Wasn't a drinker, really. Huh. It was the Mets. It was the Mets that Fucking I think. Fucking Mets killed your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still love them, though. We still root for them. You got to, man. This Do you watch the all the games? Are you still like locked in? Well, there was a point after after those major league tryouts where I didn't make it. I just kind of shut down. And I How shut could the you game not? Off. I just yeah. didn't. I don't even think I watched baseball for about five years. And then uh, when I became a dad uh, four years ago, 
I started picking up the game again. I had lost my father recent, right, right yeah. before then, and realized like the relationship I had with my dad was this game. Yeah, <laughs> was this game? And how am I going <laughs> to communicate to my to my kid? And of course, the first thing I'm doing is looking for a baseball. Or he has no idea. I don't think my kid has any athletic ability yet for. But somehow I'm <laughs> I'm waiting for him to like put the ball in front of him, see if he's going to reach for the ball or reach for the thing. And that's interesting. And so I just started watching. You know, I bought the MLB app, and now I'm you know I'm, you're I'm, in. You know, I was still remained a Mets fan and would still, you know, look. Yeah. But I wouldn't watch. You know, it was more like uh, I'd read the trades but not not watch the games. It's interesting, though, because given, you know, the sort of, um, you know, your 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 trajectory and your kind of focus and, and your ability to get things done that – you you have to look at your childhood in respect to your father and realize that you know he did a good job parenting and then if you really isolate like well it was all baseball it would seem natural not just nostalgic to be like this is how you parent yeah. I need to get this kid a glove and a ball <laughs> you know as soon as possible it's just crazy how it all comes back and all the the lessons that he taught us and you know now all of a sudden I'm talking situational baseball with my four year old <laughs> you know like... did he teach you how to lose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I if if we like, you know, threw a glove or a bat or something like that, I mean, my dad would just go 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 ballistic. He was never allowed to show that, and that, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. There's 162 games, so when you lose, you you come back tomorrow. You but know, I you, think that to me, like you know, as a guy that like you know was you know, I'm fairly athletic, but I I was never you know taught. I was in the little league, but I never really stuck with teams or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've talked about it before, but I think the most important thing you you got to teach is is how to lose. Yeah. I mean, on some level, that seems to be the big life lesson is that, you know, there are more games, yeah. you know, it's not the end of the world and, and, uh, you know, you get up and do it again, yeah. that the competition is, is what is the exciting part of it. Yeah. But right? how you lose was more important to my dad. It right. was like, it wasn't that we lost. He doesn't was, want you to lose. He doesn't want you. So for him, if I struck out and I was looking, I left runners on base and I didn't attempt to swing. And so that was the disrespect. It was like you're you're letting your teammates down because you didn't even bother to swing. Right. You know, you 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 struck <laughs> out looking at a at a ball that was too close to the strike zone and he would just lose it because it was like it you was let about those the guys team. Down. You let those guys down. I don't care if you struck out. Right. But if you struck out looking, that's that's <laughs> that, that know, was it. That was it. So oh. so you know, we didn't have too many strikeout, you know, strikeout lookings after those cuts in the living room. Um but 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 yeah, no, he he was intense, man. But he, you know, he, well, listen, that's an he was interesting. Lesson he was a dad itself. raising two boys right. on his own, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting lesson in itself. That you know, like, what are you expecting? You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got to take a shot. <laughs> got it. You know, you know what I mean? You, you might walk some of the time. Yeah, you might get hit by pitch. You yeah, know, you yeah. Do do anything. Put the ba- put stick to bat out. Well, where was your mom? My mom is a. She was a teacher in Jersey, and she. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight. You know, but oh, I think tough. they they. It was it was rare that a father was raising the two boys, but I think my mom, you know, recognized that she, there were some limitations, and she wanted us to have a father. You know, and what she, she was going through her own thing. She was going through her own thing. You know, again, no resentment there. She just needed to take care of herself, heal. She's in my life now. She's, yeah, she's she's actually ended up living with my mom in college. So you did. I went, I went. I went to school in Jersey, very close to where she was. Um, and uh, yeah, ended up moving in with my mom, which I wrote a feature comedy based on because I didn't grow up with my mom. And here it is this Puerto Rican from the South Bronx is yeah. living in Jersey. Yeah. And she's still as neurotic as she was back then. And so she's locking the doors and there's like chains in there. And it's like, what's going yeah. Really? Like, we're not in the South Bronx anymore. We're like in a nice, you know. So she grew up nice when it was falling apart. Oh, yeah, I no, guess. no. She grew up poor in a, in a one bedroom tenement with eight, you know, eight brothers and that, sisters. That, oh, I my mean, God. It, it like was like 
fish food in there. Just and, a, a life of PTSD. Yeah, basically. And she's, I mean, she's still, she doesn't take the train. She does, she can't go underground. Certain things that she just doesn't do. Yeah. Uh, and so I understand, you know, she grew up, she had a very, very yeah. rough upbringing. Well, you know, the South Bronx was always sort of the, the kind of example yeah. of, of what a, you know, a burned out Bronx kind of, is burning. Yeah. Boogie like, down Bronx. I remember that when I was a kid, like Fort Apache too, right? That, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. What is it like there now? I mean, you know, listen. Have you been up there? I have been up there, and you know, th- the real estate is crazy. I mean, oh, so it's yeah, oh. it's well, it's not. You know, listen, there's still pockets, and yeah, right. But gentrification has taken over in the Bronx, especially the waterfront. And you know, listen, ten years, you got some money. I think the Bronx is, is where you should put. It. I think so. I mean, I'm no realtor, but I'm I'm kind of looking at like what's going to happen to Detroit. How does the whole city go under? It's like it's, it's insane. Like you know, like when I heard that they were selling houses for ten dollars. Yeah. Like, is it really that it's that hopeless? Yeah. That there's no coming back. Yeah, and artists getting in there and in buying the these houses yeah. and doing this stuff. So yeah, I, I you know I've never been to Detroit, but I'd love to see it and see. see I haven't either. Like, I haven't but, been downtown. So you didn't, but you, filmmaking was not. I mean, this is relatively. How old are you? I'm thirty six. But it wasn't the first thing you not like, at all. You you finished. You, I guess you didn't get on the Mets. I didn't get on the Mets. And, I, I and got, where, went, where'd you go to college? <laughs> I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University. Fairleigh Dickinson. Yes. I know the name of Fairleigh Dickinson. That's a good school, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a. How do you call it? I don't know why I know it because my it's dad's from school. Jersey. I'm it's like a good my, business school. It's in. Oh, that's what it is. So, so it's close to the city. A lot. It's of, in Jersey. It's in Jersey, in Chatham. Chatham uh, sorry, in Madison, New Jersey. Very. And you close go to all four years. I went all five years. I did my master's in education there. So you were going to be a teacher? I was going to be. Te- I was a teacher. I became a teacher. So you leave Fairleigh Dickinson. I leave Fairleigh Dickinson. And you, you teach a teacher. What? Where? I, I I taught in Bedminster, uh, Bedminster Township, which is like where Jackie Onassis has a house out there. I mean, it's very wealthy. Uh, tough gig, I, huh? No, it was great. No, I'm they, 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 no I'm but it was, no, it was it was tough because I was the only black person in like. The, the district, like the town, like forget the district. It was like what? And then here I am. I you know had long hair at the time, sort of looked like Lenny Kravitz. A few, yeah. you know, oh, when I was that. young, I yeah. had the little Lenny thing going on, and so it was just like here's this kid with long hair. Like how did I wind up in this in this district? Yeah. But uh, you know, I did I did my thing and I loved it. it was, I was teaching kindergarten through fifth grade. It was a, it was a gift and a talented program. Oh, so that's nice. You're dealing with smart young kids. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It, but it, no, you're really dealing with their parents. Uh huh. And uh, and that can be intense. So you have to do like presentations. For, it's, it's not like where you where where I went to school. Uh huh. You know, you you have it's a different level of parent teacher communication. Oh yeah. So like what? Like parents, you know, are because very they, involved. Well, they already know they're gifted, so they now they want them to be geniuses all the way through. A hundred percent, right? So they're like, "What are you doing with my genius? What are you doing? Is, with my is he challenged enough? It's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is he? Is he? Do uh, you know? Like, are, uh, is he doing what he's supposed to do? The genius, of course. And then when you have someone that looks like me, you know, you're you're apprehensive. Uh, you know, you know. I the think parent is the parents. What's the black man doing with my genius? So yes, to put it bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. I mean, listen. You had, you had. Uh, listen. It, it, it was a balance between. The, of course, there's some parents that would that completely. But you embraced. felt that. I don't know if that's just something you grow up with as a black man. Yeah, you know, Puerto Rican man. I, I don't know. I, I, I always feel it. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, like, I think it's very hard for for white people to, you know, effectively empathize. With the experience of just being in the skin. Yeah, just being in the skin. It's like, oh, yeah, even if it's just like a little bit of a longer look. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you, you know, can't. it's like, 
But it was like, I don't know, four seconds longer than it should be. So right. now I feel a little awkward because you're, are right. you staring? Or yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just like little you, things. Why just, are you running? Well, yeah. Like, you know, you're just. <laughs> why are yeah. you crossing the street? Yeah, we're, just strange, strange things. Well, yeah, but you can't, you're never, you're never free from the consciousness of it. No. no. Yeah. Um, so how long did the teaching last? It lasted about two years. I was dating a girl, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time whose father worked on Wall Street. We were oh, yeah. getting serious in a relationship. Ah. I had an undergraduate student loan that I was trying to pay off, and I thought that was a lot. That was 40. Little did I know I was yeah. going to end up getting into, you know, over 300 with, with film school. But uh, so I ended up moving to Wall Street, and I became a director of educational programs for AIG. So now is that like, so is that something, okay, so you do the, you do your time at, uh, at the fancy school, what, for a year or two? I did the, yeah, I did two years. It was a great gig. I had every intention. I wanted to be a principal and a superintendent. That was my career path. I wanted to, that was what I wanted to do. What was it about education? Was it the thrill of, of, of young minds or was it like, what? what? I just, I, lo I love kids. I don't know what it is. I just, I love kids. I thought, I, you know, uh, I really like being in front of the classroom. Yeah. It was putting just, on the, the, the teacher show. Yeah, putting on the teacher show was fun. You know, making things interesting, yeah, exciting. Yeah. But somehow it's like, you know, you're kind of telling stories. Yeah, you know? sure. You're storytelling doing I that. I guess there's nothing more rewarding than seeing, you know, uh, m m making children understand something that they didn't know before. A hundred percent. Right. And I, and I ended up doing that even even after film school. Uh, you know, I taught at NYU. I'm still an adjunct professor there. And, I you know, I, I try anytime I get an opportunity. I yeah. just, I'm, I can't, I'm, I love, I'll do it for free. Like, it's not even something that you have to pay me. That's yeah. like a passion. Yeah. But. At the same time, I need to earn a living. And right. so th that question of like, can I sustain, can teaching sustain me? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe. Right. But, but, but that, that moment though, where you blow a mind, where they're just like, what? Like, I, you know, because teachers are the ones, I mean, you got your parents mm -hmm. and that can go either way, but you're always going to have in your life, like a couple of teachers that yeah. changed the whole yeah. fucking the course thing. of everything. You're like, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to do, do that did, again. Yeah. You know? or, <laughs> yeah. Or like, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about it all the time. Yeah, that's true. Do you have got you have teachers in your past? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's been a handful. There's yeah. been a handful of teachers, you know, along the way, different 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 stages. You know, I created right. writing. Yeah, right. I remember the guy in high school, Doctor Hayes, who you know had us write poetry, and he yeah. was this animated, weird little man. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you know, he told me to write some real shit, and I wrote some real shit, and the whole class was like, "What the you fuck." <laughs> But he yeah. was like, great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's not going to help me in the hallway, dude. Yeah. Why'd you get me here? But it, it changed my mind. It changed yeah. my life. I wasn't, I wasn't the best student growing up, mm. to be honest with you. I, you um, I think my parents guy. left. I was a jock guy, but I think I was just distracted. I had, I had ADD before it, it was, was classified. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. I, thank God, because I didn't get the medicine. You know, I just, I just was self-healed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I think, I think, no, because I think, had I been in that wave of like ADD and medicating kids, like yeah. I, I absolutely like all. If you go back to my like report cards, it was like yeah. Ray can't raise a good kid. Yeah. Can't sit still for more than five minutes. Can't sit still for more than five minutes. And yeah. like my dad had a tough time. I mean, I can't imagine. Like I, I don't know if my brain was just somewhere. Well, somewhere I mean, else. like I don't know what happens. You know, like my my parents didn't split up till I was in my thirties, but it seems that you know when. When one of them goes, there's something happens. Mm. You know, there's something ungrounded. There's something angry. There's some like rudder that's not that's yeah. loose for a while, yeah. right? But yeah, I mean, how long did you not have a relationship with your mom? I mean, you know, 
it was it was just a distant relationship. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know what what she was became in weekly visits became biweekly visits became mm-hmm. biweekly became try. You know, it just it, yeah. But it wasn't like there wasn't touch. Of course, I could call my mom whenever. Right, she yeah, was yeah. always open, love. But once, especially once. Once middle school and high school, once we became so, yeah. once I once sports took over, she wasn't trying to be on the baseball diamond. Baseball right. was probably what split up their relationship. So, <laughs> yeah. and now baseball the is being fucking used, Mets, man. No, the, but the somehow Mets, you know the Mets ruined their knows? marriage. Yeah. Killed your dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, is, this feels like anti. I'm like the biggest Mets fan. I no, love no, the Mets. No, I but, know. but no, no. But it's true. But there are just, I think, baseball and that. I think she just didn't want to really deal right. with that. And we were on the field. I mean, there were times where I was on three three leagues at the same time. We played the you know the team, right. and then we'd play in the outer league, and we were on teams. And then yeah. the all-star team, and then the traveling baseball. Yeah. I mean, it was, an, it was madness. I was, I was on the field. All the time. And that was your dad's time. trip. That was my dad's thing. He yeah, you know it. what? You're gonna make a. I think you're, there's a baseball movie in your future. I, I, I'm, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Yeah, yeah. You have to. Yeah. And you're dedicated to your old man. Yeah, he's a good, he was a good guy, man. I, he, he, he meant well. But so, all right. So you go from teaching to this Wall Street gig. Now, is that a job that you you created for yourself, or it was something that they had? Well, it was. To be honest, it was a position that was being newly created. It was working out of the diversity department at AIG, and of course, you know, AIG and insurance company diversity was a hot button thing at the time, and all these insurance companies got to mix it up. Got to have a lot of different people. Got to have a lot of different people. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but it's true. You know, that's you know. Sadly, a lot of it's window dressing. Of course, you have real people that are doing real work, but a lot of it is just, you know, hey, we're doing this for the company, but we just really need to say we're doing something. We're not actually caring about the difference in what we're doing. Um, so I, 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 wound up, I wound up doing that. When the crash hit, they, they were getting rid of people. And of course, the first thing they do is blame you diversity? know diversity yeah exactly yeah <laughs> diversity was what, what it was that, that brought down the financial crash so so somehow i was able to navigate within the within the you know aig and i ended up working at you know getting another job not not getting let go but that's because you were you were connected through the the woman well at that point we had broken up oh. um and so so yeah. her old man wasn't helping you was it well her he old got man? let go he got oh, let go oh he, really yeah i mean he was he was top 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 dog. Oh, so, so, oh, so he had to be taken. He, yeah, he, he, he had to be thrown under the bus. <laughs> he he was taken. Yeah, he, let's just say he was removed yeah. from from his post. And you break up with her. We break up. It and, didn't just didn't work out. And you're still in. And I'm still in. Yeah, Wall Street. I'm still in Wall Street. I pay off my student loans, but I'm young. You know, yeah. I didn't grow up with money. So what do you do when the first thing you do when you when you see like the light of day is you buy a car? You know, I bought a car. You know, yeah. so, whoa! I'm, I went to the Mercedes dealership and I'm. I'm earning a living. Yeah. I'm paying for my own apartment. So you paid off your loans. You paid got a Mercedes. Loans, you're paying get for a Mercedes. Apartment, living the life. I'm living the life, but I'm not saving anything. Yeah. You know, I hadn't been on a plane until I was an adult. Was there a moral crisis? Did you start to think like, uh, do I owe, you know, what, you know, what got me here? What about the people that are still suffering? A hundred percent. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was, there was that coupled with seeing my brother do what he was doing. He mm-hmm. went to film school. And started, you know, telling our stories, telling, who, yeah. you know, the stories that I and grew they, up they, knowing and everything. And like the teacher woke up. Yeah. And just, whoa, all of a sudden, like my brother's traveling yeah. the world on his art. This is, right. this is crazy. Like he's going Asia. What? Like where? like we, we, again, I wasn't on the plane until I was an adult. 
Yeah. You know, and then to see my brother go to Europe and to go to Asia. Was he well, doing what? Making movies or acting? Well, he had made his film. He made his film. and then the Which w- film? Gun Hill Road in oh, 2011. Yeah. yeah. Isai Morales and Judy Reyes. And that film in Harmony Santana. That film went on to like travel to different places in the world. Poland. And I was like, so he's wow. going to festivals. He's going to festivals. And I, I think it's just the coolest thing in the world. My big brother's. But he's not making any money. There's no right. money. There's nothing. But somehow I thought, okay. You I, had leveled off. I, I'm good. You yeah, know, I'm right. never going to get into debt again. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'll stay gainfully employed my adult life and, yeah. and we'll be fine. Right. And then I thought, you know, how cool would it be if we became the Green Brothers? My brother would write and direct. So, I would produce. So that's your pitch. You're like, I would produce. Right. No, in my I'm head, the money I was like, oh, I'm the, I'm the, I have the access. <laughs> I may not have the money, but yeah. I have access to all these Wall Street people that don't know what to do with their money. Yeah. Maybe I can help them and say, hey, you want to make. Yeah. You want to help tell our stories? Because my brother is, look, they're, they're comparing him to Spike Lee. Like, yeah. they're calling him the next Spike. Like, look, yeah, look, he's yeah, the yeah, guy. Yeah. But of course, but I didn't want to live off my brother. I wanted to, like, learn the craft. You know, it's like one thing to face. Are you married yet? I am married. You got married. I got married in film school. Oh, so after this. So after, after you. This. Okay, so, okay, so, so you I'm got, single. Got the production vision. I got the production. Well, I got, I got the bug. I, I, missed, I missed a very important fact. My brother goes to film school. Yeah. He has to make a bunch of shorts. In making the shorts, he puts me in as an actor. I told you I had this little Lenny Kravitz thing going. Yeah, on. yeah. So puts me looked. in. The first thing that get the first short that he does gets in a Sundance. Yeah, and I'm the lead actor in the short, but I'm not an actor. I'm just right. the guy that my brother yeah, put in a yeah. film. You got the hair. So. But of course, I go there and I meet the real Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, this is crazy. You, you know, where'd you meet him? He was at Sundance that <laughs> year with Precious. You know, it's like, so it's just so all of a sudden I'm seeing the stars that I watch on TV. Oh, I didn't yeah. really even know Sundance. Sundance. Try, you're trying to breathe in the snow. Yeah, and you're seeing all. It's like a hallucinatory experience seeing of all course, those people up there. Of course, but you know, listen. I go back to my desk job. My brother goes back to making another short film and then his feature. But at that time he was introducing me to, to what a set looks like. Right. You know, I had been on a set. I had wrangled cables as a right. PA. So you worked as a PA for him? I think it was more than a PA. Yeah. You know, a glorified yeah. PA. Having your brother around. Yeah, yeah. bro. Get yeah. me. Yeah, like, yeah. We need sandwiches. I need you to park the car. I need you to. Right, right. We just, you know, we got to figure it out. Yeah. You learn all those things. But I still didn't know what it's like. It's like one thing to be an athlete and face a 90 mile an hour you know fastball and then there's one thing to be a fan and see a 90 mile fastball and I felt like I was like I was a fan yeah I don't know what it's like to face 90 mile an hour heat and now when I decided to go to film school I was like oh this is 90 mile an hour heat yeah like this is a different this is different I'm so, experiencing the game so you, you work with your brother on you know just uh getting the hang of, like seeing him work and going seeing places work, with him but he had graduated he had graduated but you weren't when I you in. weren't doing any producing really yet you were just you were I, just hanging around with his feature film I had somehow become sort of the marketing guy at AIG you know I was you know putting stuff together so I was helping yeah. him get the word out just mm-hmm. you know like Promoting for Gun you know, Hill, social media, what is it called? You know, Gun, Hill. Gun Hill Road. Yeah, so I was just helping with social yeah. media. You know, at that time, Facebook was still growing and changing banners and profile pictures. Like, what can we do to get this little indie film scene? Yeah, and I thought I was pretty good at it. You yeah. know, I was good at telling people and getting people involved. We made T-shirts and yeah. walked around the AIDS parade. Like, we did so much to try to call attention to. What this was that movie about? Film. It was about a young, um, uh, a young uh, transgender girl um who basically is transitioning yeah um during from, the course uh transitioning from uh from boy to to girl uh-huh. um and her father has been in prison uh has been in prison strange and comes home to realize that his son is now uh you know wanting to be a, wow a what is boy. that just a made-up story 
No, it's based off of a, a real family member of ours. Oh uh, wow, a cousin of ours. Yeah. who uh, who has transitioned now. And, yeah, and it's real. And who had been to prison, came home, and the father, like, my, the father. So yeah. the story is really told through the father. How's perspective. how's she doing? She's doing fine. You know, listen, it, uh, the father, you know, hadn't spoke to the son. Yeah, in years. And right. Once when once that happened, cut him off. But the movie, after seeing the movie, they had, you know, they got in touch. Oh, really? Yeah. It was really special to be like, you know what? The power of cinema. Huh. You know, seeing yourself. There it is. That's seeing yourself. Thing. Like, where you're like, whoa, I'm a dad. I've cut my son, my daughter off. It, it hit hard. It hit hard. It hit hard when you see that, you know, when you see yourself and you see that you're grappling with. But it's also like- That's you that know, teaching moment we're talking about. Yeah, but you got to understand it's like- cultural right, you know there's yeah, some right. deep cultural things sure. like you're not even allowed to feel that way even if you want to you know yeah. like you can't come home to the community maybe you're okay with it but like not your boys yeah right in the hood, you know so yeah. it's like it's tough you know and in the south bronx like yeah. that could, you could lose your life so this was a latino community <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So, uh definitely that probably, side yeah that side of it that side of the family uh-huh and uh wow that's a heavy that's a heavy it was heavy film have yeah, how's it, how's it hold up? When did he make it? Two thousand eleven. He made it in two thousand eleven. Yeah, this is it's, it's it's a it's a great it's a great great little film. So uh, you did okay. So there you are. You doing the, the I'm just promoting being brother, promoting yeah, yeah. whatever I can. My brother is doing something. Oh my god, I'm the happiest man in the world. I look up to my brother. He's a king. He's a how king. much older? Three and a half years. Uh huh. You know, I'm borrowed his clothes, got ketchup stains on it. You yeah, know, yeah. The sneaker, all that. You know, we went through all that, but we were we were best friends for a long, long time. So you, you know? decide to 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 walk away from the gig to yeah. go to school so my brother's editing gun hill road at the time yeah right uh i remember this specifically i was i was looking for a way out i go yeah. online that day i was bored at work and i go on the nyu website it says oh there's a dual degree program you can get your mfa and mba and i read the you know one paragraph and i was like this is me it had yeah. business it had film yeah this is perfect but then i also looked and said the application was due today i was like oh sh- crap yeah I'll wait till next year. Yeah. I go to the editing room that night. I leave office. I go to visit my brother in the editing room. And I was like, bro, I, I know what I want to do. Uh, but the applications due today. It was like, he steps out of the editing room. He steps yeah. out. He's like, bro, are you serious? He looks at me like with like this filled heart as if he was like so disheartened. I've been on Wall Street and waiting for my passion. Right. He's like, is this really what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm telling you, this is amazing. Like, this is me. Sends a text message to the chair of the department who just writes back, tell him to get it in soon. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And what do you got to do? I had to the, take the GMATs. I had to take, I mean, it was like, I had to, I had to make a short film. I had to do two applications because there was two different schools that you have to get, you know, get into. Yeah. Fast forward. I don't get into the dual degree program. I had the interview. I get, I get waitlisted for the MFA program. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm waitlisted to the, arguably one of the best film schools in the country. Yeah. If I get in, so you got the short done and everything. I got the short. I shot it on New Year's Day. It was a comedy. I'll show it to you. It's called The Interview. Um, and I use my office. I, you know, I use my yeah. office. I, you know, I'm acting in it. It's a uh, yeah. It's a it's a it's a commentary. Yeah. On on sort of race r- race in 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 Wall Street. Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it's quite interesting. Anyway, uh, I find out that I get accepted into the program. So now you got to go to film school. So now I got to go to film school, just the film school. Yeah. And just the same program my brother did, I get into that program. And, and, and how uh, long is that program? 
Well, it's three years of coursework, and then you can take up to two, three, four years to do your thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of kids stay in because you can matric- matriculate and not pay back your loans. Right. So you know, if I don't even know what that means. Matriculate. I it should. means you you pay a you know small fee. Yeah. That allows you to say that you're part of the university and your your student loans won't kick in because you're still taking. Oh, I see. Work. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But once you graduate, you know. They Sally May or whoever, yeah. you know, I forget what the loan like, company yeah. is now. They're like, hey, by yeah. the way, yeah. here, you, do. Go. here yeah. you go. Yeah. And of course, after the first year of film school and I look back and I'm like 80 grand in debt now, which was double what I had for undergrad. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm all the way in now. So here we go. Yeah. You know, and I graduated and- 2016 with $330,000 worth of debt. And... You know, I'm on the road that? to paying it back. Yeah, okay. yeah I'm on the road to paying it back. You you'll know? get it. You'll I'm get on the it. road. I'm on the road. You'll get you. They'll, <laughs> they'll give you a Marvel movie after yeah. you make a few of the uh, heartfelt. Uh... We'll see. We'll see. You know, listen, what, what Ryan was able to do with with a Marvel movie and make it as heartfelt, make it as grounded, make it as culturally relevant. I mean, listen, if you're allowed to do what you want to do with it and you don't you don't sell your soul, I think, you know, you, you can carve out. You yeah, can carve out I think so. Yeah, but it's true. It, you know, it, it is a tricky journey in that, you know, not unlike whatever you felt, you know, whatever moral turpitude you had, like in working on Wall Street, when you realized that that was, you, you, you know, that whatever it was, it was uh, window dressing to some degree. Mm-hmm. I think you said something like that. But, um, but like you make a movie like this one, like Monsters and Men, where, you know, you really sort of, you know, there's a lot of uncomfortable truths and they, they, they aren't necessarily resolved in an easy way, but there is a, the, the, the ending was very, you know, was very, um, clever and, and, and reasonable. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was powerful, but like, it wasn't like, we know we fixed it. Yeah. No, no, because we haven't. Uh, Right. And also the, the way you ended your film is very relevant to what's happening like that. Like you couldn't, that wouldn't have come up in your head two years ago. No, it's crazy. Right? No, not at all. But, you know, when I started writing the script and where we, when we ended, you know, the conversation had changed. Right. You know, we went from, you know, talking about, you know, Eric Garner and how important that video is to, you know, all of a sudden now you got, you know, Tamir Rice. Yeah. Philando Castile, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland. I mean, the list goes on. And there was, there were folks before then, but we didn't have the video evidence of it. Right. So you, you just... And so the conversation has just changed. The movement has, you know, grown. And so you... Sure, yeah, there's that, the video. But even, like, you know, what happens there, you know, the poetry of that is, like, just a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's not that's not the video. That's, you know, that's a, a different cultural it's a different dialogue. Cultural thing. Yeah, no, which which we definitely, you know... You must have been thrilled yeah. when you figured that out. Well, it was crazy because it happened. So, you know, we, we, we definitely utilized what was current so what what was the process so you're in you're in school you're in that program and you know you did you did stop there i did did stop there yep you did a lot of shorts i did a lot i made seven shorts in film school now shorts are are you know people do them it's not like there's a huge market for them but you know what is the the intent of shorts really well, the intent obviously it's a it's to it's a calling card for right. being able to develop longer form. Right. So whether it's television, and web they teach series, you that they teach you the fundamentals of how to work with a crew, how to. Um, but I mean, the idea that like you make a short and it's good that'll get you seen. Yes, that's understood. Film school, you, you have to. Th- Yes and no. Uh-huh. They don't really teach the festival part of it. Uh-huh. You know, they it, they touch on it. It's a graze, but it's really about 
learning the craft. And you have to understand, a lot of kids that go to film school are very wealthy. Right. Come from very wealthy parents. Yeah. So they're not concerned necessarily with the, the business debt or the business. Of right. It. It's more of learning the actual craft. Right. Where like some of us, where it's like we have to be seen in order to get any sort of traction in this world. Like, there's no way I could pay back my loan if nobody yeah. knows who I am. Right. I have to be able yeah, to... I, I, this isn't a phase I'm going through. Yeah, it's not a phase. This is life. <laughs> like, you guys... Hey, hello. I'm yeah. here. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I got to make some money. I got to make... Not just money. I have to make... I have to be able to put myself in a position to succeed. Yeah. And yes, of course, there's financial upside to that. Right. But I ha there's no way to do that without a platform. Right. And so, you know, of course, film school grazes on that and there's producing courses that talk about that, but it's not that's not the focus of film school. Focus is make shorts, learn how to make yeah. shoot on film, yeah. learn how to tell a film with no dialogue, learn how to shoot a film with dialogue. I mean, it's sort of broken into a very systematic like this is how we we do your first film, which is four minutes, silent black and white. We do your second film, which is an observational documentary. We do your third film, which is where you incorporate you know, dialogue and, you know, that kind of thing. And then your second year film at Tisch is your big film. That's the film where everybody pours their resources. A short. It's a short. You make a short, but it's like you combine everything you've practiced on in your and first you can, year. And it's your choice how, what you want to make. What you want to do with it. And I went to Cape Town, South Africa. I made this short uh, called Stone Cars, which went to Cannes in competition. And that was a life changer. What that was that was, about? It was about a young girl who's um, sort of, coming of age young girl in Cape Town who's um, questioning her sexuality. Um, I had gone to Cape Town six months before that in my first year between my freshman year before, uh, right after the first year of film school I went to Cape Town to shoot a documentary um, for a non-profit organization. You I just got a job. I just got a job but it wasn't it was non-paid Yeah. but I get to go to Africa for three for three weeks Yeah. live and shoot this doc. How was that experience? Was, it was life changing and it made me go back and make this short film. Life changing like what what specifically? I had, it just was I had never seen poverty um, like that before mm. in my life. Never the expansiveness of like as far as your eye can see like that's how poor like literally like oh my god you can see off into the mountains like, like people living roofs. in corrugated tin yeah, shacks right. for miles and miles on it right. I'd never seen that but I also never saw how happy a community was like right. they were the happiest people I've ever met in my life nobody's complaining about the food it just was like I'm never going to complain again in my life I'd never seen such joy the colors were so rich I also felt like you know you go to a country you go to, you, or you go to a city and you're like oh this is a nice city I don't know if I could live here Yeah, Cape Town felt like a place I could actually live really? I was like this is an I don't know I don't feel that about I don't feel that about LA right but I go to Cape Town and I'm like I feel like I could actually live in this place I felt pure joy it was amazing, but I mean, I was also saddened by the poverty. I was saddened by the situation. I met this young girl there who, who you, you know, who ended up becoming the subject of my little my little documentary. Who I ended up casting um, in the short film. Sounds like a heavy short. It's heavy, yeah. I mean, it deals with uh, you know with rape culture. You know, it deals it deals a little uh, a little bit with that. You know, it's another slice of life story, very similar to Stop. I yeah. mean, Stop after that, um, uh, and what worked in Stone Cars is what I try to keep in sort of the, the filmmaking language. Which is a, a certain uh, poetic ambiguity? Yes. And you have that in, the, you have that in Stone Cars. Uh -huh. And that was the first time. But because that film, you know, was able to play on HBO, went to Cannes in competition, all of a sudden, I'm a director. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't even know if I was considering myself. You know, again, I told you I wanted to produce. I was trying to produce. I was producing for all of my other friends. You and, were? 
I was producing, I produced 20 shorts in film school. I won the top producing prize at NYU. I didn't win top directing anything. Well, because that was, because you, you stuck with that as being your primary focus. That or was going to be my focus. Yeah. You wanted to learn how to produce whether you were in the MBA program or not. Exactly. And, and so I just started producing. Yeah. And, and what does that entail when you're doing shorts? Just organizing, like, you know, like. Yeah. Getting the insurance, getting locations, making sure stuff shows up on time, you know, yeah. hiring the crew. Yeah. You yeah. know, all, like everything. And you know? so you learned that. I learned all that. And uh, somehow learning that, I also learned how to make stuff for nothing. Yeah. And so I would be able to take a small thing like Stop, which I made for 500 bucks. People are like, how did you make that for 500 What did you shoot it on? We shot it on a red, but I borrowed my friend's camera. Right. Who was a DP. Right. Because you, you knew him from producing. Yeah. But otherwise, you go, you know, you rent that camera yeah. for two days. You're already at $2,000 or yeah. whatever, you know, $3,000 right. for the weekend. Right. But the, the the thing about Stop, which is really interesting, is again, you know, you're moving through this this event you know it's really you know the the whole film takes place almost in real time mm. right yeah. yeah and and uh and you know you don't everything is loaded up mm-hmm. you know as soon as he you know he's as soon as he's on the bus as soon as he puts his hoodie up to get off the bus yeah. you're like well oh, yeah with this already it's referencing everything yeah you know that could go horribly wrong yeah and and then you know it's just it's all very subtle and and then the you know when he gets home and just dumps the weed, you know that you know just that you you you're like that that was all it could take mm-hmm. for that guy's life to be over, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I mean, you you, know. you're hoping that people aren't going like, die. You know, you got through it. What are you dumping the weed for? Well, it's hilarious. You know, I had so many different reactions. I had uh, you know, I had other folks, you know, who were like. They were happy that he had weed, you yeah. know, like celebrating. Like got away with it. Oh, like, yeah, that's right. They had the right to stop him. I'm like, they oh, kind of missed the point. But both of those kind of reactions, too, ah. which are, look, look, yeah. they had the right to stop him because he had weed. I'm well, like, what the fuck is that? It's like well, just weed. You didn't even know. You yeah, didn't know no, that he had that. weed. Right. You, you assumed. Who the hell had that reaction? I mean, you know, there was. Audience members, really? Audience members, when we were traveling, see, they the short, had the, they, so they're like those cops had good instincts. They just fucked up. Yeah, that was that's their yeah, side. Yeah, got a couple of the Staten Island kids. Like, look, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> look, yeah. You see, know. that cops, those weren't wrong. They he got away with it. He's lucky. Yeah, and then you had yeah, you know, but then you had other folks. You know, I I had I had a black woman in the in the audience who yeah. was who was not happy with me for for having having put weed uh, on the kid. Like, why would you you know? Oh. Why would you show that? Well, because you needed an ending. <laughs> well, that that as well. But also, you know, you know, and and but my answer has always been it wasn't about the weed. Yeah. The movie's not the film's not about the weed. It's no, about it's the stop. About the stop. Yeah. <laughs> so so it only complicates that. It, yeah. It, it only makes it more complex of how we look at it. It only makes it a little bit more gray. But if you think about it, like but, he should have been stopped in the first place. That's right. And and also it just comes into play, like you know, the the percentage of. You know, black guys who were busted for small drug, yeah. uh, uh, not even crime, yes, just Posse- like small possession, and they're 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 done. They they they're introduced into jail culture, and it's over for them. Yeah, and so yeah, and now weed is becoming legal in many many, many states, but they're still you know they'll still find a way to you know. Yeah. You know. So coming out of that, you know, where did stop go as a short? So stop Went premiered at Sundance. Yeah. Premiered at Sundance. So I, I think I mentioned I, I cast a real New York City police officer yeah. in the film. And you grew a guy you grew up with. A guy I grew yeah. up with. We go to Sundance together. He's lodging with me. So he's my buddy. We knew each other. We start talking. It's two o'clock in the morning. We're eating pizza. We start talking about the Eric Garner case in Staten Island, where we're from, where I used to deliver pizza. Yeah. 
somehow we get it starts off in a conversation yeah. ends in a heated debate what mm. ends up becoming the dinner scene in the film oh yeah but that conversation so I, you know what I saw on the tape was a guy that should be alive and he said and he's not African American this guy no he's yeah. a white cop yeah he's a white cop yeah and um, but anyway so but he was like Ray listen it's unfortunate what happened to him you know it's terrible but he was resisting arrest mm. of course we start getting well just because he was resisting I was like Brian he could have a shotgun and killed everybody in that store. Yeah. Left it there on the ground, come out, and he, sh- our, you know, due process said he should still be alive. Yeah. And my, the, you know, I, we're just going back and forth. Right. You know, and next thing you know, he's talking about everything that's not on the tape. Right? Yeah. You don't understand what it's like being a police officer. Right. You don't understand what it's like. You don't understand that these police officers had a relationship with him, that they were trying to move him for 10 minutes. What would you do? What would you do if you're in that situation? He kept like kind of, you know, getting, what would you do? Well, Brian, I wouldn't have gotten on his no- neck and choked him. Yeah. You know, and, and by the end, we're like, not like going to fight, but right. it's, well, I wasn't going to fight him because he has a gun and he's a police officer, but not it was Sundance. like, it was, it was intense and, and he was in tears. He was in tears because he was feeling real pain. He felt like I was attacking him. Mm. I wasn't. I was asking questions about, should, the, you know, what do we do yeah. about this situation? And he, he couldn't resolve it. Couldn't resolve. It. And are you guys still friends? He came back to be a to be an actor in the feature. We're still friends. <laughs> yeah, still friends. Uh, Who was he in the feature? He's the same guy he was in the short. Oh, the one, the two guys. He's one the of the cops? two cops. Yeah. So it goes to show. Is that he still an active cop? He's still an active cop. Where? He works downtown. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. Want to give away his precinct? Oh, okay. But he works. Uh, yeah, he works. He works downtown Manhattan. And so was that confrontation the seeds of the feature, or had you? Hundred percent. I had no intention of taking my nine minute short. And making a feature, none whatsoever. That conversation was like, whoa! At the, and still, even then, it took. I was, I was like, oh, this is a really crazy conversation. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I'm still thinking about that conversation and thinking, well, I haven't. I have to figure out what I'm going to do as a feature. You know, my mom's yeah. coming in. What am I doing? I wanted to stick to my roots, and then I got this idea of doing a triptych. You know, I could, I could, I had Follow two three chapters. characters. Yeah, but I had two. I had, I had the cop, and I had the kid. But I was like. That is, that's a circle, you know? Which cop? The black cop? Well, he wasn't a black cop yet. Okay. And so I came to the conclusion. I said, well, if I made, because he was a white cop I had a conversation with, I thought the film was going to be black and white. Oh, you know, it's a white cop, black, you know. Yeah, yeah. Us, you know, us versus them. And I didn't want that to get lost. And so when I came, you know, when it came to me that, oh, I should make it a black cop. But that wasn't the cop in the film that did the stop. No, he was not the guy. He wasn't, no, even he wasn't yeah. the guy. He wasn't even there. He's yeah. one step removed. You don't even see, it's interesting in the movie that you never really see it. No, you never see it. Yeah. Never see it. Because, you know, that was a conscious decision. I said, you know what, we can turn on the TV and see that. Yeah. What's different about this movie than everything else? And it's uh, it's how these but people- But what's are. interesting is you deny the audience the ability to assess what happened uh, from their point of view. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of forced to move through the two distinct point of views- you know, like, uh, did the guy go for the gun? Did he yeah. not go for the gun? So, like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The guy didn't have a gun. Didn't have a gun. Right. But but I thought that the performance that you got out of John David Washington, for me, and I'm just saying this, you know, I, I don't think, I, you, know, you know, Spike's going to ever listen to my show, but I thought, I thought it was a better performance than Black Klansman, which is, like, the tone of that movie's tricky. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> Spike, you yeah, know, Spike, know, exactly. could, Spike could do Spike, it's, it's you know, Spike, Spike tone, Spike tone. and and it's it, I saw it in the UK, and obviously I went to support Spike and support uh, John David, and you know, listen, I I think Spike 
was back with the film. It, it was the best film he's made in years. And yeah. I thought, you know, like kudos, hats off to 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 the master. Sure, I, I was. Oh, absolutely. I was just waiting the whole movie for his signature shot. I'm waiting for the dolly to happen. Oh, yeah, the like, dolly. What happens? Yeah, like, yeah, Thank yeah. you, Spike. You're, now we're moving. Now you're moving. You yeah, gave yeah, it to yeah. me. You, you, you're <laughs> waiting. You we're, know, we're on a rolling thing. We're on a rolling thing. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean John David, man. I mean he really. No, I like that movie. But it's interesting that movie because like I did not walk away from it because of the tone. I didn't walk away from it. You, you know, mulling over. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it was very compact, mm-hmm. and it was, and, and it was very. Some of the characters are very broad, yeah. right? And there wasn't a lot of room. Mm. But like, I walk away from your film, like, oh, you know, like it's complicated. It's complicated, but it's also it's gritty enough to where your relationship with the characters feels genuine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, these are guys. When I lived in New York, I saw these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a tone to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to how you capture the neighborhood and all the, you know, you you, were, you you know the way you select, you know, when you're doing these sort of beautiful panning shots from a distance, but also you get right up into people's shit. Mm-hmm. So the mixture of that, you know, really kind of worked, you know. And I don't always pay attention to that stuff, but you're director. Oh, so. thank you. No, no, I appreciate it. We, you know, I work closely with our DP Pat Scola, who, who did an amazing job, and he came on in the eleventh hour. I'd never worked with him before, but we talked a lot about like. We wanted to. We wanted to feel complicit with each of these guys. We don't. We only have thirty minutes, twenty five minutes with each of them. So we gotta love them, right? You know, from the opening scene, like I want you to be singing along. You know, yeah. when you go into Manny's apartment, I want you to smell the platanos. Like I yeah. want you to feel that little bit you of did. Puerto Rican yeah. culture. Like, yeah, because we don't have so much time. Yeah. So we have to, you know, we have to feel and how we lens them, wide yeah. lenses, moving close. Like, how do we, how do we capture that? Let's not rack focus to people that don't need to be rack focused to. Right. Let's, you know, it's about them yeah so the experience. so the panning shots the longer shots were really to sort of make you feel the the expanse and and the the sort of also the uh in intimacy of the neighborhood mm-hmm. whereas like you know when you walk into manny's apartment his mother and his mm-hmm. you know his girlfriend's there with the kid yeah. or his wife whatever you know then all of a sudden you're in that yeah. Yeah. You, you know so like that that was a nice way to treat the environment as a character oh, thank you yeah, right yeah yeah and i i learned a lot from from spike and do the right thing and and how he used bedside oh, yeah, one yeah. block right right and you know of course this is shot in 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 in, in, in you know a few blocks in bedside but i but, but how he used that character in a film was just amazing the bodega the bodega yeah you know and, we keep and then he back had the pizza parlor exactly he had the pizza parlor the bodega, like if you've if you've lived in New York, you're like, oh, that place, that place. Yeah, yeah, you know it, you know, it. you <laughs> yeah, just yeah. you know that awning, you know the yeah. yellow. Yeah, you know, I wanted the film to feel familiar, but also different. And right. like, oh, like you think you know what this movie's about? Like, there's so many assumptions about it, and then we subvert, we right. subvert. Well, that we was inter- what was interesting right away for me was that you know you have this guy that's like trying to be on the up and up. He's got a kid at home. He's got another one coming, and he's going looking for jobs. But then when shit turns shit, when shit turns bad on the street in a minute, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> like, you know, like right away, this guy yeah. who's you're gonna, he's got to look out for himself and for his life. Yeah. But as soon as he sees the cops doing bad shit, like he's provoking. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't like, right. And that was sort of like, wow. But that's that neighborhood. Yeah. Right. It's, it is. And, you know, you grow up a certain way and it's like you defend. Right. Y- you know. And when you see somebody that you know has been attacked, like all of it's just the, the, the street comes out of you. Yeah. You know, it's 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 family. It's right. beyond. Right. Because it's not about it's not about money. It's not about it's, it's, it's about like it's it's about what's right. Yeah. This ain't right. This ain't right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the way you establish a victim like was fairly quick. But you knew that guy, too, as well as, you know, the bodega, yeah. you know, the, the, that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. You've yeah. seen him before. Yeah. I have. Yeah. 
But uh, so what was the what were, you know in, in making the movie in terms of uh, not so much directing but in story, you know what what was the trickiest part for you? What what did you get stuck on? Well, I think the hardest part is you know when you're doing a triptych, you know is is and the is, characters are Manny. The, Manny, the cop. Uh, Manny played by uh, Anthony Ramos, mm-hmm. and then Dennis played by John David Washington, and, then the, and Zyrick played yeah. by Kelvin Harrison Jr. And I, I guess the hardest part in doing any film, but but especially a triptych, was how are the how are these stories going to intersect? And in the script, you know, especially even getting the financing, they want more, 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 more crash, you know, more of that right. type of. And I didn't want to make Crash. Crash was done. Crash won an Oscar. You know that that's that's that was that kind of film, you know. And so you know, but that wasn't as intimate. It was a little more spread out. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but but the, the the feeling of wanting this this kind of inter intersecting is intercutting. Right, and the way you did that was just the nature of the fucking neighborhood. Like yeah. with Crash, you had to have people walking in. Like you know, it's like, yeah, like really? my cousin with the thing, and yeah. it's like I didn't want to do that. I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't want to do that kind they, of. Thing. These guys all like all of them knew like that one line. Where where uh, uh, John David Washington sees that man he's been busted. They, he says they finally got man. They got they got yeah. got him on something. Yeah, like you know him from the neighborhood. Yeah. These cops know everybody know. from the they neighborhood. They know everybody. They know everybody. You know what they get him on. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. and that's like it's interesting. I'm just realizing talking to you is that you know his story doesn't get any resolution at all. Not even you know a morally ambiguous one. Yeah, not even. Well, I, that I was the, and that was the tu- that was pr- his character was the toughest for me because. My impulse was to bring him back. You know, I loved him so much when writing him, and I was like, he's somebody, and people are going to want to see him. But you want we, it to turn out all right. I want, yeah, you just want him to guy. be okay. You just want to see him again. You just want to oh, just just check in with him as a character. You know, and I my but my impulse was like, you know, I was like, the reality of situations like God, like Manny, that we don't know what happened to them. And I know maybe that's a you know intellectual exercise but i was like i think that's closer to the truth than actually continuing to follow what's happening and i'm hoping that through these other stories we can check in with him that way we check in with his girlfriend and realize oh we do miss him we miss him when zyrick goes in and plays with the airplane and we remember what happens on the rooftop we remember right but like you but like the for me most importantly was that you don't make it clear that he was set up like right, so when you know we you know where'd this kid get this gun from? You know it's sort of like you don't know from his reaction whether he's guilty or not. Yeah, you know your assumption is these fuckers set him up, but then you're sort of like, well, he didn't really react that way, did he? Mm. <laughs> it's gray. <laughs> it's yeah. gray. It is it's gray. gray, and I think you, you so know. The, I think most people, you know, will know. We've never seen him with the gun. Right. We've never seen him go get the gun. Right. So. Right, so like in the in the story math, in the story math, it looks like he got set up. It looks like he got set up in my in my math, but one could say, in the same way that that woman said to me, you know, or or you know, the celebration of he had drugs, they had every reason to do it. There's going to be a handful of folks that feel that way, and and I'm okay with that. But anyway. all I kept thinking about, like you know, is that he's got to live with that for the rest of his life. You know that the whatever your argument with your friend was about. You know how cops. You know we don't understand it. Mm. You do understand that as people. You know if they have a conscience that hasn't been destroyed, mm. they're going to carry that. You know that they're carrying all that shit all the time, all the time. Uh, we had a consultant on the film, Edwin Raymond, yeah. who has an open case against the NYPD right now, uh-huh. uh, and he talk he talks a lot about you know 
he still he said he's he's up for promotion. He hasn't gotten his promotion. He uh-huh. passed all the tests, yeah. has all the qualifications, uh-huh. keeps getting denied. Doesn't know what I mean, obviously he's suing the NYPD, so that could be a big big part of it. But like it's real stuff. Well, it's like Serpico, man. Serpico. Did Serpico. you watch that? Love that film. Yeah, when when they fucking when film. when his like they, they set him up. Yeah, I mean that's fucked up. Yeah, it was it was a reference film. You know, it was a reference film for us. We had we had a few, few you did like, few 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 films that probably d- won't translate like you know Elephant or uh, you know Amoros Peros, and uh, you know what about Elephant? In the way that Gus Van Sant transferred, you know, uh, follow you'd follow the back of someone's head, and oh then, yeah, and then all of a sudden you're in somebody else. But the genius of that film is that it's in one location. Yeah, you know, it's sort of self-contained that way. Mm-hmm. Where this was like, we're everywhere. Can we do that? Can we transition out in the streets? You know, that's something we can do. So it was an experiment, uh, but we tried a bit. But I love how you know how he used Steadicam and how gracefully he was able to do that. And so you see that and how yeah. we transitioned. We made sure Steadicam was how we were going to use. And those it's so funny because it's such a white movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it is quite. It is quite a white movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like I just I just realized yeah. that, that Art, you know, artfully told though. Like it's like oh no no it's a beautiful yeah. movie but it's sort of very even the outdoors yeah no it had a sort of yeah. cl- clean, trees and clean yeah yeah, and, yeah. yeah just yeah yeah, yeah. heavy uh, man that's yeah, a heavy he- it's a heavy that heavy that film. in that movie the you know just the choice to sort of put them in the shower together for a second I know it was sort of like whoa whoa <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's uh I, I mean that was a heavy film but yeah no I mean you know. It was a so lot. is yours, but I'll tell you at the end, like I was like satisfied. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I got a little nervous when, you know, he's like, I want to get involved, and there's that sort of like, yeah, you know, right. he likes that girl too. But like, you know, well, well, here's what you do: you start doing this, and I'm like, is this going to get sappy? Yeah, and it, yeah. it, it didn't. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, this can't be a love story, <laughs> right, 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 it, right? It's a love story in a different way. You yeah, know? it's a love story in a different way. You know, you know, it's not about. You know, physical chemistry. So you know, it's about yeah. It's it's a it's a, it's a, it's about what is it? If it's it's not about physical chemistry, but it's about um waking up, you know, to 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 social awareness and social responsibility. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's that component. You know, it's it's funny because I I feel like I have a different answer every time. And, and well, that part, well that character in, in particular. Yeah, I mean, got, you know his his character, and I think. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. You know, I've been asked a lot. You're talking a lot. Well, it's 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 because it's it's so many things. You know, but I've yeah. been trying to boil it down. Like, what is it for me? Like, what you know? What is it? I had all these different things, and I realized like there's so much silence in the film. You know, there's so so many characters that don't sort of speak up. Yeah, and I think for the longest time, you know, growing up in Staten Island, growing up with teammates that were like very racist towards like the teams we were playing but like no offense Ray no offense not you yeah you got a little of that in there in yeah, the locker like, room yeah. yeah like no right not you yeah but yeah. I can call yeah, I can yeah. use the n-word and use other epithets against your teammates who right. are basically my brothers or cousins yeah you know so but I but I couldn't say anything I was quiet and then I had a father who protected us from those things and you know you kind of stay in line and now as I get older as I have a family I'm like I, I don't want to be afraid to speak up even if it you know, like you're yeah. afraid to raise your hand in the back of class, you know, oh yeah, people are going to look at you and you're going to think you're stupid or you're yeah. going to say something that I just, as I get older, I'm saying more things, right? you know, and I'm like, I think it's okay. It's okay to, yeah, to say something yeah. that you believe in. It's time. It's time. <laughs> and this film is sort of my time. Well, yeah, it's great. And it, it, but I think it must be tricky, you know, as a black filmmaker, <laughs> now you're going to get those questions yeah. where it's like, well, how do we fix this race thing? Yeah. 
right? Well, we fix it by talking about it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and not, but the thing is, we we become so. But do you immune. find that that you're you're getting questions that are broader than the yeah, film? Yeah, because it's like the film doesn't answer. It doesn't give you the answer. It's yeah. like, but that's not. I think. I think if I said this is how we fix the world, you know, uh, who am I? Oh, like, just watch this movie. Yeah, it's then, all done. I'm a dweeb. Like, what? Like, who do? What do I know? I don't yeah. know how to fix the world, but right. but I know that we need to have difficult conversations and tell these stories and tell these stories. I know we have to feel uncomfortable time at times. We yep. have to because if we're constantly creating a bubble of, around only like-minded thinkers, we're never going to move past that. I learned that on Wall Street. You know, in terms of diversity, it was like if I walk into a boardroom and everybody looks like me, yeah. there's no diversity of thought. Like right. we're all we're going to get the same product. But if you have, yeah, yeah, maybe you have a little argument or disagreement, but you know, th- at the end result will be better. Yeah. So and, that's a good team's work. That's a, that's understanding the game. Understanding the game. It's a chess. It's chess. You know. It's chess, but it's also baseball. It's like you know, like that argument. Like you know, you made a good point, and uh, you've you've showed me a different. Uh, you've opened up. I didn't. It, it's not winning or losing. Yeah. You know, it's it's just you just stay in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's a great film, and I wish you the best of luck. With Thank it. you very much. Good Mark. talking to you, man. You too. Thank you so much. Great guy, real worker. That guy, good story. Uh, you, you should see the movie. I don't know where you, it's like. I don't know what happens to movies, but I'm very detached. But I do know you can you see it, see it on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital on January 8th. Monsters and Men. All right. Okay. Happy New Year. Boomer lives. <laughs>